It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Hey there, howdy. I had a listener ask. You guys always play that intro? Yeah, we do. Max Stallings, I-35, special election day edition of Other Side of Texas. You're listening on podcast later. You can uh, shoot me up uh, at Jay Leeson on Twitter, jay at othersideoftexas.com, and give me a hard time for anything that was just blatantly false or uh, heretical. Um on what is about to go down on a big program here in just a moment we'll have our friend mike bazaar on bazaar solutions people wondering about paper ballots versus the machines how can the machines be hacked uh, mike bazaar knows all things tech he'll get in with us then coming up uh towards uh, halfway through the program bob garrett of the dallas morning news will check in i've talked with insiders throughout the day on what's going down in state races, what's going down in O'Rourke versus Cruz, or Cruz versus O'Rourke, however you want to look at it. Lots of insiders say, we're going to come down to Dallas County. Bob Garrett, Dallas Morning News, with the latest uh, here in about half an hour. And then Dorothy Kennedy of the Lubbock County Elections Office will jump on with us, talk about uh, the turnout today in Lubbock County, how total turnout uh compares with previous elections we can say this uh texas election source is a group that i trust they are projecting an 8.3 million turnout which would be about half a million less than the presidential cycle of 2016 but it would be 3.6 million more record-breaking turnout compared to 14 a gubernatorial an off-year election now that would put turnout measured as percent of registered voters casting ballots at 52.5 percent which only compares to a selling beer and liquor in the city limits in Lubbock or the gubernatorial election in Texas and 1970 Lubbock drank wet and talked dry for about 80 years we'll see what happens that all brings about unexpected turnout the story of course today is Cruz versus O'Rourke and what's going to happen in that race here's some news that I can bring you based upon conversations that we've had with folks on the other side of Texas, uh, down in Austin, we can break some news to you to help uh, shape the evening. And what we have for you is that a lot of Republican numbers have been based upon Greg Abbott's campaign. The Abbott campaign, of course, 2014, he comes he comes in as governor. But Dave Carney, his political strategist, and the rest of his campaign never stopped campaigning after that point. 
and they continue to build what are called models in political circles. Now these models are then built and then rented or sold to other political to other GOP campaigns. Maybe some Democratic campaigns, I'm not sure. But by and large, Republican uh, campaigns. Now, I'm told by some of the finest in the state that his numbers are flawed, which could set up for a very interesting evening. Let me, let me walk you through this. Abbott's models have typical breakdowns of strong voters, of uh, likely voters, and less than likely voters. In Abbott's model that a lot of other campaigns have just bought into, when checked by political pros, what they find is that 8 in 10, maybe only is the word that you would throw in there, only 8 in 10 are for Abbott all the way, 8 out of 10, and that's the strong Abbott voter. The likely Abbott voter is at around 60-65%. Now how that comes to bear on the U.S. Senate race is this. O'Rourke and Cruz, when a likely Abbott voter is asked, will you vote for Ted Cruz or Beto O'Rourke, it's a split, a 50-50 split. So these consultants, of course, think that people have been rock knocking on the wrong doors, being operating under a faulty assumption. Whether or not that's true, we'll find out as we broadcast at about 5.08 Central Standard Time uh, as numbers start coming in about 7 o'clock. Exit polls start rolling in about that time. But that is that's a big deal. It has a lot of people on edge. I know for a fact the Paxton people are on edge. The Ken Paxton for Attorney General. That Dan Patrick, <clears throat> who I hope to be the soon-to-be former Lieutenant Governor, has his people on edge. Because as those numbers bear out, that puts Abbott at about 12 to 15 points ahead of uh, do you know his political opponent, his campaign opponent's name? Lots of people don't. Her name's Lupe Valdez. That puts him up about 15 against Lupe Valdez. And the thinking is that Patrick could be running about 10 points behind Patrick. So uncomfortable. Now, as we look at Bear County, which is San Antonio, if you're listening in Lubbock County, the Panhandle, the Caprock, or the Permian Basin, at one point in time you were in Bear County, but of course we split that up and named these counties by and large after Texas Revolutionary Heroes. Bear County is on par with 2016 turnout. And let me go back. I had this in my stack. Um, I, I can't find it. I I think that Harris County is a bit behind 2016 turnout. Republicans very concerned at this hour that Harris County will just decimate Republicans. And uh, we'll see how that turns out. 
one other note if you're listening live these big counties are going to put out their numbers first that's just the way things work and so the national media's love affair with Beto O'Rourke is going to come to full bear not bear county but to full bear b-e-a-r as the numbers come out at seven o'clock and there thereafter um the, it's going to be the big counties, the big Democratic counties, the urban counties, I should say, that come in first. Those will be for O'Rourke. People will begin to have a party. And then it may, for Democrats, turn into 2016 all over again as the Midwest and the upper Midwest came in and, uh, and things didn't go so well. All this is a public service announcement. I wish, Daniel, what we need here is the drop, the more you know music. We need to get that. Um, all I have to say, moderate your drinking, my friends, because we're in for a long night in Texas. That is my prediction. I don't know if O'Rourke's down one or back four. Um it could be more i tend to think that uh i'm i'm not going to predict the race because i don't want to imply that i'm endorsing somebody but i think three uh three point margin either way is where i would lay this thing as my voice cracks like i'm 13 years old we're about to get mike bizarre on the show we want to stick with an elections theme but if you've got other problems you've been having with your technology I'm pretty sure he can field it. He's a shortstop of technology. Uh, you can text in 806-745-5800. Matter of fact, we'll open up the phone lines for Mike Bazaar and Mike Bazaar only. If you've got some questions that you would like to ask him directly, again, Mike Bazaar, Dorothy Kennedy, Lubbock County Elections Office, and Bob Garrett, Dallas Morning News, right here as we bring you the latest in the election in 2018 stick right here with us about 90 seconds from now we'll get back on the road on other side of texas day right where you are but of all the little towns in west texas you can't understand just how how they ride it out through the dust and drought till you have now with us a technology day west texas technology day our friend mike bizarre joining us right here in studio gonna keep with an elections theme and get into it bizarre a lot of conversation right now yep. about whether or not we should have paper ballots because computers are susceptible voting machines are susceptible to hacking yep which you know makes some sense i think we yep. all remember florida in 2000 and guys looking at hanging chads <laughs> and what's harder to look at than hanging chads are voter machines that might have been hacked can voting machines be hacked so yes anything is hackable if it's computer related right so but the difficulty and how you hack it is the real 
question to this and is there easier ways to influence the election so as i was reading through a bunch of stuff one thing stuck out to me that was interesting and this is just talking about elections in general and and we talk about legalities influence isn't illegal intervention is so what they're talking about a lot of this is that influencing our election through meddling, what the Russians supposedly did in 2016, dumping Facebook they ads and everything did, else. Uh, listen, I voted for Trump twice, yeah. but it's pretty clear they meddled on Facebook. Now, but, I'm not, but that's not illegal, and that's what they're getting at. Now, okay. if they had straight-up hacked voter registration databases, mm-hmm. that's illegal, and then you start wars that way, right? And okay. so, so that was one of the things they were talking about. So staying on the Russia theme... One of the things that's interesting, and this actually happened, you know, Russia and Ukraine and all the stuff that's going on with them taking over Crimea and that region and whatnot, was the Russians actually went on a recent election and they hacked the Ukrainian government website. So as all the vote totals were being reported mm. through that website, and, and this was just somebody updating the totals, right? So it wasn't the actual, like, v- databases that were being hacked. It was the Russians hacked it. They turn around and announce it on their news that their guy won. You know, they changed all the voter tallies and everything else that are displayed on this website. So it'd be like hacking Fox News and, you know, or the Secretary of State or whatever and, and changing the display to say, you know, the Russian whatever guy won. Before, and but he didn't win. Deal. But that's a big deal because did they announce it before or after the election was they announced over? it like in the evening right late in kind of like what happened in florida with msnbc calling it early and people went home and then there was all the hoo-ha about wow. that so, so they, the polls were not closed i don't think they were so they were claiming that their guy won they but the guy called the election yeah but the guy hadn't won it wasn't even close to him winning hmm. but the problem is now there's suspect around the results. Well, what happened? And then it takes days to sort it out. And then do people believe in the process and he's not my president or whatever, right? And it wasn't the presidential election. It was a different one. But the the point of that is, is that most of these websites are the easiest spot to start because they're internet connected. Obviously, it's a website. And a lot of them have crappy security. So if you can hack the reporting websites and make it look like the other guy won, even if they can go back and say, no, here's the real tallies he didn't, you instantly call into question, was this a legitimate election, right? And and that's sowing discord and all kind of other mm-hmm. stuff. And so it kind of goes into fake news and, and whatever else can happen around it. So back to hacking of election machines specifically. So all election machines are supposed to be uh, air-gapped, which is essentially they're not directly connected to the Internet. So if you voted on any of them in Texas, and you know there's a bunch of states that use them, a bunch of different machines, which is part of this problem, is, is that they're very segmented is that machine is programmed by somebody else with a laptop or USB stick or whatever. So they program it on a different machine. They take over a data file and they stick it in the machine and that programs the ballot that's going to display. If you can hack the computer that is connected to the internet, they're using to program that machine that that's the target. Like months earlier. That's the target, but right? But they would have to find out who's been contracted, Yeah. which I would, so this is my stab at it, hearing you say it for the first time. Maybe through public information requests, you could find out who has been... You would leave foot tracks that way. Yep. Maybe you do it through like a third, fourth, fifth party. But you could find the contracts from a county. Yep. Let's say Lubbock County. Yep. And then uh, you could go in and try to hack what's probably a small business... Yeah. Around ten employees, yeah, and small. test out what kind. Of, if they don't have bizarre solutions, well, then maybe they're susceptible to being hacked, and those machines could 
maybe come in. I, I'm not trying to wear a, a tinfoil hat. No, so here's here's one that did like happen. A, like I led off in the segment, I think that there's a legitimate argument for paper ballots. Yeah, so here here's a legitimate one that happened. So uh, in this one was in Michigan. Um, oh, I lost my place in the article. Anyways, the, the, the summary of it was, so the, the voting machines themselves are disconnected. They program that through another machine that's supposed to be disconnected, but always isn't always the case because they've got to do updates and connect and get information. So in Michigan, this uh, computer, they were suspect of some ballots. There was a bunch of complaints up in Michigan about people tapping and it was filling in the wrong bubble, right? So mm-hmm. they were tapping R and it was filling D or whatever the case was. They, they actually called in a company to do an audit. The company said, hey, these screens were just miscalibrated. That was really what was causing the problem. So nothing heinous. It was just a calibration issue you touched here and and it thought you were touching an inch to the left and they got the wrong bubble what they found in that investigation though that was scary was the computer they used to program all those machines had remote desktop software installed on it and it wasn't supposed to and they tracked it back and they found it was a county employee and he was just working from home so it didn't end up being a heinous thing but i can tell you right now there are a lot of Russian cybersecurity hackers and other things that target remote desktop, and they go in and they do, you know, ransomware and everything else. So, by just the fact they had that that remote connection open, opens this wide security hole. So, if that's one county in Michigan, where else does it happen? And all you've got to do is find. It's the same thing here. You don't have to steal all of Texas. You've got to steal a couple counties and flip them the wrong way, right? Uh, another thing they talked about that that is a potential like how do you Bear hack it? and Harris County. That's it. You go add a few thousand votes in and tip it over, right? And now that adds to the total and, and you just barely need to tip it. Yeah. Um, you know, you target some swing states. You don't have to go, you know, change everything. Um, the um, oh I had another thought and it just evaporated out. Well uh, let anyways. me let me reset. We have Mike Bazaar at Bizarre Solutions on Twitter. That's it. Bizarre Solutions. Not bizarre like whenever you're growing up in small West Texas. B-A-Z-A-R. That's it. The bizarre we everything. had had uh, three A's in it. You only have two <laughs> A's. Uh, a couple of notes here. First exit polls nationally show that um, majority... Let me get this headline right. First exit polls show... 55% disapprove of Trump uh, majority and but that from CNN so we'll see how that ages again it's such a and we really appreciate this I mean we show it from time to time in the top 10 of uh, Apple podcast but uh, we, we stay pretty routinely in the top 40 we'll see how that ages Mike Bazaar uh I've got a question for you, but go ahead and have, has that thought come back to you? No, let's go to the question. Well, it's totally unrelated. <laughs> let me let me finish up with you on this point. Um, so from your technology perspective, do you think we ought to go to the paper ballots again? So the the recommendation of the security community in general is you need to be able to audit the system, right? And so what they really recommend is that you could still use electronic voting, but they should all print paper afterwards 
Because if you take your little paper to go turn into the whoever's you know the little old lady sitting there, so you should vote. You once, can verify but twice. That's it. You could verify that your votes were what you thought they were. You hand it to them, and now they can go back and audit that machine if they think it's hacked. They have a paper that I have signed off on as the voter to say, yep, I agree that was my ballot. And now they could go back and do it. Man, you're really wanting to kill voter turnout now. Well, it's not you even hard. You, you vote the same thing. It prints out. You check down it, and then you sign at the bottom, and whoosh, here you go. Okay. It wouldn't be hard, right? Because it could print it out pre-filled in. solving major problems here. Major and, political and problems. And the, the crazy part is they said in this one article that, you know, I think the government spent something like $300 million on election security. And they said they estimate that this would take about $25 million. And it would be a, a, a real easy way to do it. Because if you think there's tampering, you can go back and prove whether it was or wasn't. Another thought that, that came back to me. So the other big thing they were talking about is, and part of the reason why they have to, you know, quote, air gap these machines, is a lot of these election machines, the parts are made in China. And so if you remember back just a few weeks ago, they talked China. about... China. There was, well, that's it. They were talking about this data. Bloomberg did this big I'm thing. I'm trying to talk like Trump. <laughs> China. Remember there we had Trump on the cell phone and he said... China? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but ahead. but anyways, the, the Chinese, they think, again, there's some discrepancy about whether this happened or not, put a little chip on these motherboards for these data center servers that was uh, basically connecting back to China. So if, if these are connected at any point and you can infiltrate the hardware, then you could literally be dialing up the Kremlin or, you know, Shanghai or whatever, Beijing or whatever, right? So... There's that potential, which is, again, one of those things that maybe you say, look, again, not putting tinfoil hat on, but something as important as our voting infrastructure, maybe we should all make that here in America and, and see what we need to do to bring that back. Okay, quick, uh, we got two minutes here. Uh, Greg had texted in. He said, how can I set my iPhone, iPad, iMac to uh, iCloud? What do I need to do? So, as much as I hate to say it, I don't play with Apple stuff enough to know. I know there's the iCloud application. Why don't you use Apple? Because Apple locks everything down, and at a certain point, I get annoyed with it. I have an iPhone. What do you mean, locks it down? So, Apple won't let people do what Apple doesn't want people to do. Microsoft, in general, doesn't care, and Android doesn't care, right? So, if I want to set the default map app to Google Apps or Apple Maps on an Android, they they don't care. Use whatever you want. But if you want to do that on an iPhone, good luck. They just won't do it. So inherently that's some security, but it, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that they just don't. They've even talked about, this is the other thing I was thinking about talking about today, Apple in their newest release of their all their Mac products that just came out, they have this T2 security chip, and it gives them the ability to say that if you didn't repair this, and they haven't turned it on yet, but it can, um, if you didn't repair this in an Apple authorized shop, we're going to brick your hardware. So you break your screen, you take it to Battery Joe's. But and how, on the so. iCloud thing. So on the iCloud, my understanding is that if you go into each device, sign in with your iCloud, turn on iCloud. Like on the iPhone, you go to settings, there's iCloud. You just flick it and turn it on. You sign into it, and then it'll upload your data. And if you do that on your iPad and, and your Mac, it'll sync the data across all of them. All right. Uh, Got to jump out with you, Mike Bazaar, Election Day. Mike Bazaar here, bazaarsolutions.com. That's it. All right. Thank you, Mike Bazaar. Appreciate you jumping in with us. We got to get to a break, go make a little bit of money, and then get in with our friend Bob Garrett. Folks say that the election's going to come down to Dallas County. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Bob Garrett's going to give us the latest there from Dallas County coming up. 
right here after the break. Stay locked in to your other side. On this long stretch of Interstate 10, I've got all of Louisiana. There's always a teller where I've been. I'd like to kill that dirty dealer. Planning as we carry on with your Uncle Sam edition of the other side of Texas. Go out to. Nope, that didn't work. Um, supposed to have Bob Garrett on. Uh, also, Charlie Leeson in studio. Um, you heard that daddy in the background. Going to hear from Charlie's going to give his endorsements at the end of the show. And you want to stick in with that. But go out to the phone lines. Our friend Bob Garrett. Uh, some people efforting there. Appreciate them sticking with us. Bob Garrett, Dallas Morning News. Whenever I heard insiders say that the Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz race is going to come down to Dallas County. I said, I got to go to my man in Dallas, and that is Bob Garrett. Bob Garrett of the Dallas Morning News uh, joining us now. Bob Garrett, how are you, friend? Doing well. How are things out in the South Plains? We're just waiting for um, what you guys have to say. Uh, They're on the other side of of I-35. Do you live west or east of I-35, Bob Garrett? <laughs> west. You do? So, yeah. So, I always say politically, um, politically, west of I-35 is where West Texas begins geographically, where the oak trees begin to pair out. Um, but that just geographically. Do you... Uh, you consider yourself well, a West Texan? I was born in Harris Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, so of course I consider myself a, a faux West Texan. Yeah, okay. But, Did you say far West Texan? Uh, no, I was using some fancy French, F-A-U-X, faux. Oh, West faux. Texan, like, yeah. like fake, yeah. like fake, yeah. But you've got plenty of roots, in, or at least family in Lubbock. I right? married a gal from Lubbock. That's correct. Yeah. And the last Baptist. time, the last time you were in Lubbock, you didn't even call me, Bob. I'm sorry. I mean, when am I little... supposed to make of that? You went to like a tech graduation or something? No, I went to a Beto rally in Amarillo and Lubbock, and then went to see my father-in-law David Hester out at Carillon, and then I had to to boogie and chase Ted Cruz and Beto elsewhere in the state. Sounds like a good excuse, Bob Garrett. So, uh, <laughs> as I've said, lots of folks think that, you know, you've got rural Texas, by and large, expected to go with Ted Cruz. I think that that's why we've seen so many, well, I won't say Cruz, but I will say uh, Dan Patrick commercials, Ken Paxson commercials, uh, expecting rural Texas and not just other whenever I say other side of Texas I mean like north far north Texas, south Texas west Texas, uh, south Texas expecting these rural voters to help overcome losses in the urban counties uh, but lots of people say to me we think the Beto O'Rourke Ted Cruz race is going to come down to Dallas County Bob Garrett, tell us what you're hearing the latest is in Dallas County so far as turnout, and what do you make of the numbers so far as how it impacts the race? 
Well, Beto O'Rourke was telling our reporters last week he thought the race would be decided in Dallas area. And you hear this a lot that uh, the Democrats believe if they can get sort of a generic Democratic vote um, in Dallas County of 62 percent, and that would be a reach in 2016, that that. Uh, that measurement was 57%. That included not just Hillary Clinton, but down-ballot Democrats. So they need to get a 5 percentage point gain, but if they can do that, they think Beto O'Rourke has a shot statewide. Uh, They usually talk about Harris County uh, needing to get that Democratic generic vote up into the high 50s, and then the Bellwether County, Tarrant County, the county of my birth, uh, Beto has to break even or get close, 48, 49, 50 percent. And then if he can get that trifecta going in Dallas, Harris, and Tarrant, then it's a, it's, a, it's a barn burner. It'll go late. That big red vote out in rural Texas will be up against this big blue vote in the cities so, and suburbs. So we'll see. Uh, Bob, Winston. tell me what you make of the turnout thus far. I mean, let's expand out. You've been covering Texas politics for how long? Well, you know, uh, 40 years with a 20-year intermission, uh, so. Yeah. Okay, so 8.3. Texas election is something that I I follow on Twitter pretty straight down the line, not very partisan. They suspect what others have said, that there's an 8.3 million turnout in texas how does that fare in in i say lubbock we're going to talk about lubbock here in just a moment but how does that fare with dallas county well dallas uh you know here's the caveat uh we don't know for sure how to judge early vote because as you know more and more people are voting early fewer and fewer people are voting on election day so when you have these big growing growing early vote totals they might be a little misleading because you then expect to have a pretty significant turnout on election day and it might drop so your overall increase might not be as dramatic having issued that caveat mr leeson it's big i mean the dallas early vote was huge uh and so what 8.3 million statewide means in 2016 with a presidential year donald trump hillary clinton we had just under 9 million votes cast in Texas. So you're talking about nearly presidential year turnout, whereas last midterm in Texas it was 4.7 million turnout. And so I've been saying for a long time since I looked at the historical U.S. Senate races in Texas that if Beto O'Rourke, he's got to get it up in the 7.5, 8, 8.5 million range to be competitive. Uh, we've been electing senators with, you know, 4.6 million cast for John in the John Cornyn race uh, in 2014. In presidential years, it goes up to you know seven or eight million, and and it has to be at least that I think for Beto to have a chance. But uh, we'll see whether whether the early vote cannibalized the same day vote. We'll see whether uh, Trump's you know closing statements of nationalism and the caravan have pumped up the vote in uh, places, you know, with the low propensity of Republican voters in in red areas of the state uh, could counteract some of this O'Rourke enthusiasm. 
you know, whenever I go down to the Capitol, and this is just, I don't mean to kiss your rings or do anything else, Bob Garrett, but it is something for like a, a kid from Hell County who follows guys like you and Ross Ramsey and others, and I go down to the Capitol and I see you and I'm like, hey, Bob Garrett, and like you treat me like a peer. I always appreciate that because, I, you know, my thought is like I'm I'm kind of around because I'm a dork, and I don't mean that no, as a no. backhanded you, you compliment to you. Well, I mean you're a peer, and and you're in the House of Lords, the Fourth Estate. I mean, come on, Jay. Well, you gotta, but to you see gotta, you, you gotta... to see you in that, I mean, but <laughs> men, I bring up the State House and the State Senate to say this. Do you think I've heard from people today in the Patrick camp, especially the Paxson camp? they think they're in trouble i know that you and i were taken off to talk about Cruz and o'rourke do you see based on the numbers out there that paxton could be in trouble that patrick could be in trouble well i've heard the same rumors i i tend to think uh that there's more reason to believe that if there's a this big turnout that Ken Paxton could be in trouble because he's the one who's been on the attack with attack ads against his uh, Democratic opponent, That's Justin yeah. Nelson, going to the end. We haven't seen anything but, you know, positive stuff from Dan Patrick, um, although he does, you know, issue some partisan stuff that is kind of interesting, uh, <laughs> revising history slightly in some cases. But um, so I think that that's the one most people think is the uh, potential weak link in the Republican statewide chain, and that's the AG's race, Ken Paxton. But, you know, uh, we could all be wrong, and Ken Paxton could be reelected, and his wife elected to the state Senate, and we could be seeing the beginning of the Paxton dynasty, uh, which would presumably have a chance at succeeding the Abbott and Patrick dynasty whenever that ends. Uh, knowing what you know about statewide politics, and we're talking with Bob Garrett, Dallas Morning News here, uh, Bear County is projected to turn out the same turnout as 2016. For listeners, that's, uh, that's San Antonio and around San Antonio. Does that district traditionally go, uh, or does that, that area traditionally go Democrat or Republican? What does it mean that they're going to rival a presidential year in a gubernatorial year in Bear County. Well, it's good news for Democrats because in a midterm election, normally the uh, heavier voting Republicans in the Bear County suburbs turn out, and a lot of the people uh, in the uh, closer in neighborhoods in the city do not. So I think that 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 is good news for Democrats. Uh, you know, they looking south of there, the Democrats all along have worried that. South Texas Democrats wouldn't turn out in a midterm to save their lives because they've decided everything in the March Democratic primaries on local offices. So uh, that big turnout in Bear County is another uh, sign that probably is causing the pucker factor among some Republicans yeah. you're talking about. Well, and speaking of pucker factors, I want to throw out my PSA again to not drink too early, regardless whether or not you're wearing red or blue tonight because it's going to be the big counties come in first and then you're going to have effectively the trump factor of the midwest upper midwest come in later and uh you don't want to become an internet meme either way 
uh, Bob Garrett with us here on the program. Uh, Bob, tell me what, uh, gosh, I had another question on the um, the back of my tongue, and I can't remember, what was it? Um, I forgot it, Bob. Tell me uh, what other what other points are you looking at tonight as we go into seven five forty two Central Standard Time? What are you looking at as indicators of how the night's going to go? Well, we're looking at uh, you, you can look at geography, but it's very hard to predict when <laughs> results will come in in, in Texas. Uh, you know, Harris County was has been notorious uh, in getting in late and uh in the past we'll see so i think it's perhaps better to try to think of it as looking at different parts of the the ballot and all eyes of course will be on ted cruz and, and beto o'rourke but i uh, i'll be watching the greg abbott lupe valdez race to see what the victory margin is shaping up as uh i think Abbott's people may be as concerned as the Paxton and Patrick people you were mentioning uh, about this uh, turnout of more than 8 million Texans, if that turns out to be the turnout, because he, Abbott, was wanting to run up the score against uh, the underfunded, lightly regarded Valdez and be a juggernaut and dominate the legislature and claim that he's, you know, helped elect all these Republicans to the legislature. Uh, but, you know, you can write a scenario where he, he wins, but it's not what he hoped it would be. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's far less than the stomping he gave Wendy Davis and uh, four years ago. So yeah. I'll be watching that. We'll be watching these congressional races uh, in Dallas. Colin already trying to oust Pete Sessions. That was the question Houston. I had. Uh, what, yeah. Do you have a prediction there? Or you can tell well, us what's going I on? Well, I don't, uh, but I do you know a number of these smart political tip sheets um you know the cook political report larry sabato all these uh these old uh characters out of dc that have crystal balls i do not have a crystal ball they they have put that race as the most likely in texas to tip democrat um the one in the 32nd district in the Dallas suburbs. There's, of course, one in Houston with John Colbertson against Lizzie Fletcher. Then there's uh, Will Hurd and Gina Ortiz Jones in sort of Bear County out to nearly El Paso and down to Del Rio. Uh, there is uh, a pretty interesting race around Austin and San Antonio and Kerrville with the Lamar Smith open seat with. Uh, with Joe Kopser, a former military guy, a tech startup guy on the Democratic side against Chip Roy, who is a uh, longtime aide to all the top Republicans in Texas, uh, who ghost wrote Rick Perry's uh, presidential book, Fed Up. Uh, anyway, that's a good race there. There's a, a race in Georgetown with John Carter, a uh, longtime Republican incumbent running against one of these women and military veterans, MJ Hager. Whose viral, whose video about her life went viral a couple months ago and made that a race. A veteran, um, yeah, yeah. And then there's some more uh, races, open seats, uh, the Joe Barton seat, the Ted Post seat, uh, you know, Kenny Marchant seat in Dallas area. So we don't know, frankly. And and you know, the the if there's a blue 
wave or ripplet or whatever, some of these races in unexpected places could get suddenly very close. Um, but we just don't know. Yeah. And, uh, but we, but it's been interesting. And then of course you get down really down ballot in the Texas Senate, Texas house races where there's a lot of, a lot of people watching a number of maybe a dozen close races. So, well, he is Bob Garrett of the Dallas Morning News at Robert T. Garrett there on Twitter. I told you we were going to take you about five minutes. We took you a lot longer than that. Appreciate you, Bob Garrett. Appreciate you, Jay. Thanks All right. for having me. Talk soon. Bob take Garrett, care. boys and girls. Appreciate him. Uh, about to, we're going to skip this next break, of an election edition of the other side of Texas in get in with dorothy kennedy of unless she's way behind we're gonna play this out for the next minute or so had her on a call in at 5:48 to report on numbers from lubbock county and i'm uh checking my email i believe lubbock county was supposed to send out an email about an hour ago i don't see that here um, we will wait for Dorothy Kennedy. I believe this is her now. Dorothy Kennedy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Are you really good? Or are you, like, uh, ready to go home and drink some vodka? Again? No, we're very good. We're excited. Dorothy, how did you get into this job, and how long you been doing it? I've been doing, I started out in voter registration um, 25 years ago, and then took this position ago okay and uh, how long ago you kind of cut out there uh i started in voter registration 25 years ago and then i took this position as elections administrator 15 years okay, ago Okay, 15 people speak uh, people speak very highly of you on both sides dorothy kennedy i know that that's a juggling act for you i think that a lot of people appreciate the job that you do here in lubbock county give us the latest if you're able uh, Dorothy Kennedy on turnout numbers as they stand and uh, how they compare to 2016 and 2014. Well, right now we are at 16,641 people have voted today so far. Okay. So, and that's not, doesn't match what our, um, doesn't match what our uh, numbers were in a presidential but it is getting close to numbers that we would see in a gubernatorial year on okay. election day. It, it approaches gubernatorial. Yes. So not some big outlier, a lot more people turning out in Lubbock County. No, but we had such a, a, a large turnout during early voting that it's going to be very, um, we're going to be pushing close to um, one of the presidential years. Yeah, okay, in total overall. I think that so we just got off the phone with Bob Garrett, Dallas Morning News, and they are approaching in the big counties the same numbers that they had in the presidential years, but in I would qualify Lubbock County as rural compared to a Harris or a Dallas County. Um we're kinda we're, of fall in the medium category of how most people describe us. Look at you. With Secretary of State. Dorothy Kennedy, it's only you who I revere that could come on the program and you correct me. 
on uh, well, what's, I wouldn't correct it? you, but I'd let you just let and you know that you know yeah. with the presidentials, um, our election day turnout, the lowest was in 2016 on election day, and that was 20 almost 22,000 people. Uh, so and tell so, me again, how many people in Lubbock County have voted today? Uh, today alone, we've had 16,641. And that approaches the presidential or does that approach the last gubernatorial it's going to approach the last gubernatorial uh because the last gubernatorial we had 17,642 in 2014 and in 2010 we had 18,559 on election day Hmm. okay so we're hanging right in there with our um with our gubernatorial election day turnout and how much higher was the early voter turnout compared to 2014-2010? Let's see. And this year we've had over 71,000 vote early, I'm sorry, 66,370 voted during early voting at our location. And that topped all of the 2014, 2010, and 2006 gubernatorial years. Okay. And I believe, and it also topped... um, the presidential in 2004, 2012. Dorothy, what was the number in 2014? In 2014, early voting, is that what you're mm-hmm. after, or election day? Yeah. Early. In 2014, is 26,825. Okay. Wow. Um Anything else we need to know right now? How, are you going to keep, are there polling locations that are stacked up right now? Will they stay open past 7 based upon who's yes, in line? Yes, as long as, some, as long as people are get in line by 7 p.m., they will get to vote and no, long, no matter how long that takes. Yeah. They just need to bring their photo ID, and there are some places that have lines, and that's normal when you, after 5 o'clock. Um, and so they'll just stand in line, and they'll vote them just as quickly as they can. Uh, and then we will not release early voting numbers until after all the polls have told us, the 37 locations have told us they're finished voting their election day people. And if you want to find out, if you're listening live on the radio, you go to votelubbock.org and uh, you can find your nearest voting location. Dorothy, I promise you, because you are the busiest person in Lubbock County right now, that we just keep you for five minutes, so I'm going to get you off now. How's that? All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thank you, Dorothy Kennedy. You're right welcome. there. Uh, Dorothy Kennedy making time. Appreciate her. We're going to go in and make some money right here on the program. Stick right with us. Oh, I'm bound for Texas. On this long stretch of Interstate 10. I've got all of Louisiana. There's always a teller where I've been. Hey, and welcome back in to Your Other Side. This segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room. Lubbock File Room providing safe and secure document storage and shredding (laughs) services as Charlie Leeson stumbles to the microphone. He's four years old. So um, just a dad's admiration there. Lubbock File Room providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area. 
since 1992 you need some stuff disposed of you don't need your business competitors your neighbors going through your stuff let Lubbock file room take care of it for you maybe you need some stuff shredded um, you guys always do that to me for a free and hassle-free estimate call the smartest advertiser in town right here on the other side of texas lubbockfileroom.com 806-744-7666 that's lubbockfileroom.com some interesting uh numbers there from dorothy kennedy I would qualify Lubbock as, as I always do, the rural metropolis. If Lubbock County is only approaching, even though its turnout is some um, two and a half times what it was in 2014 in early voting, if election day only approaches a gubernatorial year and not a national year, uh, a presidential year, I should say. That's a problem. That's a problem for a lot of Republicans. We've all seen, if you're listening within the live broadcast audience, you've seen Dan Patrick commercials for a long time now, Ted Cruz, Ken Paxton, counting on uh, other side of Texas to turn out for them in only approaching a gubernatorial year, not a presidential year. That could be problematic and uh, that's my initial take from our conversation with Bob Garrett of the Dallas Morning News as well as um, the Lubbock County's Lubbock County election office uh, and again this stuff may or may not age well I tend to think it will thanks Dorothy Kennedy for coming on Right now, live in studio as we close out, here's the most important part of the show thus far. Ladies and gentlemen, West Texicans, we have our friend, Charlie Cavanaugh-Leeson, right here in studio. Uh, Charlie, I call him Charlie Gringo because he's got the green eyes. Charlie Gringo, how are you feeling about this election? You're four years old. Have you voted? Yes. Oh, you did vote. Okay. Did mom take you or did dad take you to vote? Dad. Um, I don't know. The ghost of LBJ may be laughing at that. Charlie Gringo, as we close out this edition of the program, tell us, uh, who, who did you vote for this time around? Santa. You voted for Santa Claus. You have to, because it's that time of the year. Have you been naughty or nice? Nice. Nice, okay. Who else did you vote for? Flash. For Flash Gordon? Yes. The superhero. Yeah. What made you go with Flash? His uh, health care policy, his uh, maybe public education, what made you decide on Flash? Eddie runs fast. Okay, Betty runs fast. Who else? Dad. Dash from The Incredibles. Oh, okay. And so for the same reasons as Flash that he run let's take your hands off the mic. It makes for bad radio, buddy. Uh tell me about why you voted for Dash. Was it his stance on the border or uh 
Second Amendment? What it's was it? It's his dance on of the border. Oh, okay. Oh, his dance on the border? Yes. Okay. Maybe if we had Dash on the border, we could catch the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. And uh, tell me about uh, who did you vote down ballot? Who else did you vote for? Um, Talking in the microphone. Uh, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Really? For governor or president or senator? What did you vote for him for? For the governor. Okay, so Cole Beasley was your ride-in as a four-year-old on your ballot. That's yeah. good. Why do you like Cole Beasley so much? Because he scores all the time. He, he scores sometimes. Mm. Sometimes. Maybe if Dallas uh, got a new head coach, uh, he would score more often. Uh, we going to watch a game? When are we going to watch a game? On my birthday. Yeah, yeah, we're going to the Thanksgiving game, aren't we? We're going to a Dallas Cowboy one. You got to talk louder, buddy. We're going to a Dallas Cowboy one. Yeah, we're going to watch the Cowboys and the Redskins. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say while we got you on the radio? Uh, yes. Why don't you talk in the microphone and tell us? Yes. What would you like to tell us? Uh. Who's going to win tonight? Cruz or Beto? Beto. Uh, really? Yes. Do you know who Beto is? you know his last name? Yeah. What's his last name? Um, maybe Ziegelfeet. Ziegelfeeks? I don't know. You got fake news, dude. You're fake news, Charlie Gringo. I don't know All what right. his last name is. Okay, but. we're going to cut this one off. I'm going to get home. No, no. I want to... No, I go think, home? Yeah, we're going to go home. Fine. Just uh, We're going to get home to a great family, above average dinner. Charlie Gringo Leeson, appreciate you chiming in. And for Mike Bazaar, Dorothy Kennedy, Bob Garrett signing off on this edition of Your Other Side of Texas. Look forward to Ross Ramsey on the show tomorrow and have some play-by-play Wednesday afternoon quarterback. After the elections uh, with Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune, look forward to visiting with you again. Until then, rave on, buddies, rave on. Be back soon, about uh, 23 hours from now, right here on your other side of Texas. Who we want.